The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Chile Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Orale. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst whose work you can find at mmajunkie.com you can also find me five days a week at mma junkie radio uh apologies off the top for being late but better late than never because it is time for ufc chile that's right ufc fight night 129 taking place this weekend in chile Santiago? Santiago, probably. It's the only place I know. So it's Santiago. Hey. I I never been. I always wanted to go. Uh, Will. Will go. We'll make that a point on the bucket list, especially the most southern point um, of Chile. My buddy Raul, uh, childhood friend who was from there, used to show me pictures that him and his family would go. It was like, it was like the, the northern... Lights, Northern Stars. I'm probably butchering that name too, but that, that Northern Point up in Alaska is like the same thing. But this, the the Southern Point, the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, I'm probably blowing all that, but a lot of cool shit. But anyways, UFC is there. We'll get to the headlining bout, Damian Maya versus Kamaru Usman soon enough. But um, we're gonna go from bottom to top as per usual. I actually believe it or not, I actually was gonna try to get bonus points and. I pretty much did record a recap um, of the last. Boy, what was the last card? Jesus, I don't even. I don't even know. Let me let me let me flip the page here. I just went. Except in the UFC. Oh yeah, it was, it was UFC 224 and the Bellator went That's right. It was all kind of jumbled jambled. Sorry, Dan Tom's running on a very little sleep. Part of the reason why I'm late, but I'm not gonna complain or make excuses. You guys know the deal. Didn't hit my 24-hour mark with the time this is coming out, about 5 p.m.-ish or so, depending when you're hearing it, Pacific or, you know, East Coast even later. But um, give you something to munch on. It'll be digestible. I'm just going to go pretty quickly. Probably won't hit a break unless I really need to heat charge. And, yeah, I'm not going to uh, recap too much of Bellator or UFC because it's been recapped to death. There's no time here. I'm already late. And... Uh, Part of the reason why I didn't, I didn't want to recap it when I was, I was just super tired and I was not, not tired actually. I was I was feeling like super sick. Like I got really sick in the middle of it and barely, I almost had to stop. Like powered through, went like ten minutes through. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? Let's just stop. And I never picked it back up. So that's why you didn't get the recap episode. And I feel like I got most of my um, thoughts as I've been doing. Really, you know, just being on the show five days a week. It's a great thing about being on a daily show, um, like MMA Junkie Radio, which you can check out mmajunkie.com forward slash radio to find out how to listen. Um, you know, been able to voice a lot of my, my, my opinions on there and pretty much was just trying to get the, the, the fighter side of things. And because um, I don't think we, we really get the, the fighter psychology too much. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, dive into that. I talked a lot about it on the show. And even was it was cool, was able to get other fighters' thoughts. We got, you know, Eric Anders and Julian Marquez uh, to really, we were talking about, you know, Din Thomas's comments on how media or fans can't talk, only people who step in there can talk, and that's a tricky thing, you know. I, I understand one side, but as much as I understand it, because I always come from the fighter and martial arts side, you know, Dan Tom does, first and foremost, even though he works for the media now. Um, I, even when I was on that side, I never saw myself in a million years working for the media. I still never felt that way. I always respected. Uh, there was plenty of people um, I respected, you know, uh, in the media. Would I ask for them for armbar advice? Hell no. But you know, that, that, mean I, that, that doesn't mean I didn't respect their opinions. And it, it, that that is a gray zone that I'm talking about, and that becomes hard to see. But uh, and then of course Dan Tom takes a special umbrage. Maybe not takes umbrage is the word because again, I, if anything, I understand these guys more than most because old Dan Tom is a chip on his shoulder, right? But. Uh, Dan Tom is unique though because you know say what you will I know I look like a you know a, a chubby nerd these days fucking 
<laughs> Let's be honest. The state I've been in, uh, health is still up in the air, by the way. Positive vibes are still welcome, still awaiting some test results. Uh, got some back, which are good, pointing in the right direction, but we're not out of the woods yet, so positive vibes that way. But yeah, you know, no excuses aside. All those, that excuses aside, you know, and I, I have no disillusion that uh, <laughs> anybody that comes into the studio doesn't know me is going to just, ah, look at the fucking media guy. And that's cool, I get it, that's fine. But, you know, Dan Tom is in a unique position because he actually is a martial artist. He actually has fought. He actually has competed in rings and cages and various other sorts and many different times, okay? Sure. So it puts me in a weird a weird spot, you know, because uh, that, that's part of the reason why I did the breakdown. It's part of the reason why I came over to the media because I feel like I don't feel as hardline as maybe the, the Din Thomas quote, and I'm not picking on Din Thomas. I'm a big fan of Din Thomas. Always have been. But... um that is part of the, even though I don't feel that way as hard line, that is part of the reason why I came over to do the breakdowns and came over to uh, be, eventually be a part of the media in the first place because I feel that the martial artist, the fighter, the whatever you want to put it, fill in the blank, was not um, being represented. And you could argue that it's still not because at the end of the day, the people writing stories, whether they're stories, whether they're predictions, whether they're picks, whether they're whatever, and whatever the fighters take on bridge with. Um, most of them don't have experience, and I get that, you know. So, so, anyways, there's the two sides of the argument, and still no clear answers. I just think talking about it and opening dialogue, which is, I think, was kind of the, the end of the conversation we got to with uh, Julian Marquez and Eric Anders, who great guys, by the way, great guys. I'm glad. And part of the reason why we had that, we were able to have that conversation, just so bluntly, even though they're more quote unquote newer guys to the scene, real, uh, real, real, real. Uh, Real genuine, real good cats um, in, in dealing with them in person as well. So that was a really good conversation. Go check that out. Sorry, I didn't mean to tangent too long. I'll be getting to the breakdown here in a second. Just wanted to give another shout to Mauro Ranallo for coming on. And, uh, you know, it was a crazy emotional appearance he had, but it was amazing. You know, uh, Dan Tom uh, has a soft spot for, for mental health awareness, obviously. Dan Tom has his own struggles, which um, I don't get into too much for many reasons. It's to stay professional, but hopefully... People like Morrow can continue to break the stigma so that more people can realize that there are actually very successful people, you know? And I appreciate all the stigma Morrow is trying to break, you know, whether it's about mental health, <laughs> marijuana, uh, other things. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, uh, I think Adam Carolla said, it's like, there's a certain point, you know, where, you know, Adam Carroll, I hopefully you know who he is. If not, he's not like the biggest celebrity. He's more like a B-level celebrity, right? Not, not, not a big celebrity at all. But but he's, he's a celebrity, okay, whatever. He's, he's known. But he's at a certain point, he remembers back to when he was first kind of coming up. And it's this weird moment where people that were always in your lexicon or dictionary, you know, uh, so to speak, and, you know, whether it was a TV star or a musician, and you're like, why does that person know my name? And I think Adam was saying, it might have been Dexter from The Offspring or something. And he was listening to some interview. Had nothing to do with him or not even a show he was on. and Or some, or some podcast, some radio show. Dexter from The Offspring was like referencing. He was like, uh, some, some, uh, yeah. Uh, Adam Carolla says that all the time and da-da-da-da. And, and it struck, at, you know, and rightfully so. But it struck Adam so, so weird because he was like, why, why does he know me? This is when he was just coming up in his career. He's like, why does this guy know who I am? And I don't know if I'm articulated, probably not, but hopefully I am. But it's, it's a fact of like, just picture someone you know and all of a sudden them knowing who you are. And that sounds really just as simple as I just said it, but you know, I don't know. It's it's like, for, for me, what I'm trying to draw to is, is Mauro Ronaldo to me is just a guy who I know and have immortalized in my head as a voice in my head for, you know, growing up watching pride and all these fights and stuff coming up in the, you know in the sport and being introduced to his voice and listening to his voice talk about great men who did great things that are legendary men and some of the toughest men right um and immortalize their names and uh and then those names of those fighters have their own reference they carry with them right so it's just this whole other category that I don't even consider myself a part of now then or ever for that matter it's not how I'm. It's not how I'm wired, and, and a I'm or b I'm realistic. Let's be honest. So to hear a name that you kind of associate with all these great things, to say you know, um, to pay you a compliment or to say this or know your name, it was just, it was just kind of crazy. You know, like what 
what is this? But that's how that's how dedicated Mario is. Like he even knows nobody's like myself. Kind of a dude. He, he, he from from the start to now, he he leaves no stone unturned. So it's as crazy and as fall apart as I, as I, I feel like I'm going. And some of you probably have witnessed on this here podcast to hear Mario. And I'm, you've, I'm sure you've heard him making his media rounds, kind of just share some of his stories and uh, and experiences of just how close he came to. Whether it was quitting a job, quitting life, or everything in between, right? And I hope it's not relatable to any of you guys, but goddamn, is it is it relatable? You know, to to you know, I don't have bipolar disorder or anything close to it. I'm not going to pretend it for a second. By the way, just just to be clear, and and uh, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful I don't. That's a that's a tough thing that Marlo's had to carry, but it's an inspiring thing, is the point, and it's an amazing thing. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud of Moro, and I'm not even, a, I, can't, I, I, I can't even consider myself a close friend of his, uh, but knowing close friends of his and, and, and seeing that reciprocated, um, it, it's just an amazing thing. So um, it's not out yet, but uh, all I can say is uh, check, out, check it out when it comes out, um, the Bipolar Rock and Roll on Showtime, May 25th. Sorry, I didn't mean to tangent on that, but th- those are the two things I felt that were worth highlighting. We're going to get on to UFC Chile UFC Fight Night 129. We're going to start, of course, from bottom to top. I'm going to be pulling up odds here if you hear me clicking away on the old computer. Um, card airs on uh, FS2 slash FS1. As per, I don't even say it's per usual because it's just been it's just been a a a pinball game a, a pinball game. It feels like we're getting bounced around, right? Right? You guys know what pinballs? I'm I'm not making I'm not continuing to date myself here, am I? Uh, as far as bouncing around while we're waiting for this TV deal to shake out, but the early ones are on Fight Pass. That's Claudio Puelles, and I just think of marinated pulled meat. Dan's really hungry right now, and uh, he also uh, racistly associated Spa- associates Spanish names with food, like Eric Cartman from South Park. So there you go. He fights Felipe Silva, and uh, Felipe Silva, sizable uh, favorite. Um, the line grew, but uh, you know. For guys with low sample size and aren't the <clears throat> most bringman guys and maybe regional guys or however you want to stereotype and and I don't even want to say negative because these guys are, are badasses and deserve your respect obviously at the end of the day but you know what I mean if we're having a having a having to be critical here um, I don't know how confident I'd be lying laying minus the three thirty five and Felipe Silva that said I I can't even argue that line though at the same time because. Uh, According according to the odds, maybe not for money wise, from for my liking, but uh, I see him winning this fight unless Claudio Puelas pulls something out of his hat in the last months he's been off, which is possible because he's really young. A lot of these Latin American, tough Latin American guys, and he's not tough Latin American, but just as far as tough Latin American uh, embodying a, a you know Mexican, a South American fighters, just doing surprisingly well. Uh, he doesn't look like he was. Uh, I'm thinking of Herberto Bendene for the Team Oyama, but a lot of those guys go up and train with Team Oyama. I'm not sure if Claudio Puelas is, but judging by his Instagram and recent training, no. Most of these guys just, which makes sense, I mean, especially they're coming off crazy long layoffs, even the ones that won, and maybe the UFC told them to develop a little bit. I don't know. I don't think they're making that much money. So I got to imagine they might have had to stay training stateside anyways, but you guys see it whenever... People who travel to train when the fights are actually having happening in their own home country, they will stay there to train. And that's what a lot of these guys did. So uh, apologies if I'm blurry on that. So a lot of these guys were doing home training. But he's coming off a loss to Martin Bravo. Excuse me. And he actually, oh, sorry, he was on a, a tough Latin America. It wasn't a very competitive or viewed season, probably one of the lesser viewed seasons. So that's why I, uh, I, I probably forgot about it. And uh, Martin Bravo was probably the more memorable things uh, that come off of that one, which, of course, he would get ice by Humberto Bendene, who we'll talk about later. But Claudio Puelles, uh, Southpaw, he, he, kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy, but seems to prefer to stand, even though he can kind of do it all. I don't know if he's going to want to do it that and kind of fall into those lulls with Felipe Silva. You know Claudio Puelles is like a – he's very athletic. He's got a great, you know uh, – Great body, uh, as far as uh, you know, length, strength, looking good for the for the beach muscles to making weight and still having that frame. All those kind of uh, menial to big to natural uh, things that come with frame and size that you have to check off or not. And he's he's got a lot of those. Sure, 
But it doesn't translate where he's like, like the fastest guy, right? Like he's not like explosive Edson Barbosa when he's throwing his his kicks per se. Um, he's not, uh, what he, you know, he'll, he, he's got serviceable takedowns, and I like that he goes and mixes them in. He'll need to do that here against Felipe Silva, but you watch him reach down for the single leg. It's not, again, it's not the most explosive follow through, and 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 the techniques obviously aren't 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 there to make up for. Where he can do like a slow single leg pickup and do maybe a a slow technical finish or something like that. That's it's probably not going to happen with Puelas. Um, 22 years old, so I mean, who knows where he could be? Uh, uh, that's another reason why it kind of makes the line skeptical on Silva, not because of the matchup on paper, not because of Silva's skills. Uh, again, he's coming off a KO loss, his first defeat, but again, Maribek ties him off, and it was a beautiful shot. You know, Maribek flashed the, the counter right, and and it was one of those really bad misses too. And Maribek throws and misses really hard, and you can almost see the embarrassment where you're like, okay, you almost like. You, People who spar know this, where you kind of reveal your hand, you're like, "Oh fuck!" You you almost you're so anxious on the hair trigger, and the guy faint faints it out of you, and you're like, "Fuck!" I gave it away, right? But it didn't matter because Maribek just iced him on the second one. Um, but uh, but but if you go well, the limited sample size he has before that, and then plus yes, the uh, who can say that? Shane Campbell? Sorry, uh, he comes out to Anya when he watches old kickboxing footage, and I was. Have that stuck in my head when I think of Shane Campbell, but uh, yeah, I mean he's obviously got pop and skills at, at multiple uh, ranges of the striking game. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, Philippe Silva is the pick. All right, next is Henry Briones Burre. Oh my gold! He gets so excited because of the Mexican guy with the hockey, the hockey name. This is Frankie Signs. They're just they're just pairing the 37 year old bantamweights up at this point. Uh, Frankie signs minus 335 plus 275. Again, I get it because Henry Burry Brion is not just a three fight losing streak or whatever. Uh, you know, tough Latam guy, maybe subject to not too much development and didn't really travel for the big camp. Whatever. By the way, Entram that he does train at is an underrated Mexican camp for what it's worth. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away. But again, if we're, we're placating to these stereotypes, easy to see why the line is why it's at. You got to take a guy like that down. Well, Frankie Science can do that. Frankie Science needs to do that because even though Frankie Science has no slots in the striking department and, and is just a dog, even when he gets hurt, he will come back and recover if you let him. And, you know th th that trend is no no surprising trend when you look at his age, as far as Frankie Science getting hit more, getting dropped more, recovering less fast as the last couple years have went on. Um, so he's going to, I got to imagine he's going to know that even with the time he's taken off to recover. Not really that much time, actually, because his last fight was the uh, Dara Makashvili, where, you know, you could argue that he lost that fight, right? Uh, I get how it was scored for him under MMA standards, but let's, 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 let's be real there. It's not like uh, it was a shining, uh, a shining performance. Uh, all right, but... Uh, I don't blame anybody if they, if they might have already put them in parlays or something like that. If you're really just going degenerate, but again, it's it's not. Uh, if I gotta clean up my grade, then uh, I gotta project that you do too. But hey, good luck if you played it. I, I stayed away from those two. Um, are they on my avoid list? No, not officially, but you know. All right, Gabriel Benitez minus one eighty five plus one sixty is the comeback on Humberto Bendene. Uh, oh, I just skipped Enrique, Enrique Barzola. Enrique Barzola, right, well, let's go to that. Enrique Barzola minus 220. Brandon Davis plus 180. This one is not on the avoid list either. I don't blame you for playing it. Because so I'm a big fan of Brandon Davis. And Enrique Barzola is one of those guys where it's like uh, Alejandro Perez. I just have a hard time coming around to. But you got to give them their credit, man. They're fucking tough. And they're not just tough anymore. They're putting their skills together. Yes, they're still not the best wrestler. Yes, they're still not the best striker. Yes, they're still not the best defensive artists. But they put the fucking volume out there, volume durability, and the technique is getting better. And they're mixing it, it up much better um, as they go along, progress their careers. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Alejandro Perez or the more relevant Enrique Barzola. Um, making Peru proud, a savage, never been stopped. I mean, that is the, uh, the mental toughness and fortitude, the attitude intangibles, check, check. That is the kind of guy you want to beat a Brandon Davis who I'm high on, not because of his ceiling, but just because I like his style when I say I'm high on Brandon Davis. And Brandon Davis does have stuff like guillotines and chokes and, you know, uh, underrated scrambling and counter-wrestling. But 
his willingness to get hit, the body language of the judges. I mean, we look at body language is such a huge thing too. I mean, Jacare Souza versus Kelvin Gastelum. You know, you could say Jacare Souza lost around on body language last weekend, and it's true. You know, I, I scored it. I pick. I picked Souza live. I thought Souza landed the harder shots in the round. Yet I still scored it for Gastelum like the judges. It's a weird fucking thing, right? I blame the judges for fucking institutionalizing us for having these multiple scorecards. Well, this guy won the fight, but I scored it this way, right? We all have to do that, kind of, to an extent. It's sad. I don't think we do, but we, we, we kind of do. You get what I'm saying. All right, but uh, that, so I don't, I don't blame anybody for playing Bar Barzola. He's probably going to do that to Davis and, and put the pressure and take him down, unless Davis can really ding what's been a pretty iron chin of Barzola. Um, I almost put uh, Davis on my... Um, DraftKings, but I, I went with a different strategy for DraftKings slash wasn't that convinced and really had to water down my my, my, my hopes there. Uh, for a style I like to stifle a guy who I just keep thinking, how, how long is he going to keep going? But I'm picking Enrique Barzola to keep going here. All right, now Gabriel Benitez minus, one, minus 185, Humberto Bendene plus 160. Uh, battle of two southpaws, and Humberto's uh, southpaw kick was, was, was good on the regional scene. I didn't think it was going to be good enough to beat Martin Bravo. Not that Martin Bravo was like, again, not a high ceiling, but I did pick Martin Bravo there. I, don't, I think the line was a bit inflated, but I was high on Martin Bravo's skill and, and thought he should could have won that fight at least, you know, enough enough for me to pick him, obviously. But, man, that left kick was brutal. But what, what, what the fuck did we really learn? We didn't learn anything. And he's going against one of the best leg kickers in the division, or the best left kickers in the division, a much better left kicker than him. A left kicker who kicks as hard, if not harder, than Luke Rockhold, according to one Javier Mendez, for what his opinion's worth on MMA fighters who throw kicks. Um, and Gabriel Benitez is a really underrated wrestler, even under the, the, what didn't seem like the best performance. I don't know if he was injured. He didn't look in the best shape as he was. And he went against it. No excuses. I don't know if that one was at altitude, but he did fight against a tough uh, Barzola and was getting up, you know, and of course they don't scare get up sadly, but and sure he should have been defending better. Uh, but he also has a really good guillotine choke, which can be a blessing and a curse with all fighters because, ooh, maybe I'll get it. But but Humberto Bendene could be a guy he gets it on. I mean, you know, look at his Peru fights are so sloppy. I mean, oh my gosh, these things, these Peru fights, the cages are so small. It's like a pit. People are just hanging out and like throwing stuff into the cage. It's the most sketchiest fights and they get sketchiest sample sizes. So it's not that. I'm against these Peru some of these Peruvian guys because like I, I love Peruvian food. First of all, I love my Peruvian people, uh, for sure. But it's just the, the sample size, whether it's like the organizations and the equipment they're fighting within, to the people, their records, and the skills. Like it's so hard to know what you're dealing with. That's just a fact, I and mean, that's not even a knock in any means. That's a fact. Um, so until I see more, it's going to be really hard to bank on it. Bank on it. Uh, and again, he's got that kind of, he's very much like that, that Claudio Puella is a very similar. They've got, they're like the, this shrunken, uh, twink version of Hodger Gracie slim build, right? Uh, they're just, <laughs> I keep them away from the gay bars. I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not gay, but, uh, I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm minus 500 to say those guys would do well. All right, Dan, that's not what we're breaking down here. <laughs> you can tell I've got much sleep. But uh, even though the line went up a teensy bit, it didn't go up as much as I thought. And it is just within range. Minus 185 is the cutoff because I'm actually scooting it up to two units, which is not that big. But big for Dan Tom. I uh, will be on the betting betting tomorrow. Actually, you know what? Am I? Yeah, I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna I'm doing doing. I'm gonna list both on there for you. I was gonna list them both here regardless because you know how I do in the Protecting Neck podcast. Even if it's not an official play, if it's just a lean, I will. I review all. Damn, put it away. This is an audio podcast. Jesus Christ, it's getting dark. All right, I got two units minus 185 on Gabriel Benitez, and I don't need to go pouring on about his game. You guys have heard me uh, pour on about it before. He's he's uh, my favorite guy to come out of that tough Latin American series. Uh, surprise, surprise, Daniel, like a southpaw who can... Uh, Who's pretty well, deceptively well-rounded. Go figure. All right. Siri Kondo versus Paulina Botello. This one is on the fights to avoid because it's damn close. I was kind of back and forth. I was thinking just size was, you know, size was going to lean over and power. And, and that honestly kind of was the tipping point, not to tip the hand and sound cheap and, and fucking shit analysis, but it is what it is there. But, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, but, but, but when I looked into it more, I was like, ooh, you know, Siri Kondo, 
she's tough as shit, and uh, if she can hold up to these shots, she can really, you know, she punches in and out of the clinch very well, goes to knees, uh, short range hooks, uh, long shots to get her way into into the pocket. Like I, she's just active and getting, she gets fucking after it in all ranges. I can appreciate that. But there's not enough on the ground, arguably from both, not enough on the ground, though I have to suspect that the bigger Brazilian from Novo and Yao is going to be more well-equipped to deal uh, with something down there. Uh, with something down there, Jesus Christ. Stay on target. Stay on target. Um, and uh, and, it, and again, it's hard, too, because on, on Paulina Botello's side, where you get her one UFC fight... We didn't see the ground because Pro Gonzalez was like clinch pushing, but uh, you know, just a really even again. Pro Gonzalez, you look. It's not that she's not accustomed to try to work stuff against the fence, but she either gets it going or kind of doesn't, and just keeps on going with the fight. If you watch her other fights, and that was just a really ugly performance. But that also has to say that man, maybe Paulina hits that hard. You know, five five TKOs with one stoppage. Granted, again, you, you don't know what to make about the sample sizes, but. If you actually go look at the the rec- even the the records and the girls they are fighting, um, even arguably the organizations for being regional, I mean it actually was semi decent, which isn't still much. I know it's kind of laughable to say that, but it's actually semi decent. Condo uh, actually had to go to a five rounds rounds for rounds for rounds for for, for a decision to so prove winning that. Whereas Botello was only scheduled once for five rounds, she didn't go the five rounds, but she did win. And get a late stoppage in the fourth. And I love those late stoppages, even if it's not like the most quality opposition. This won't be Kondo's first Brazilian either. Uh, either. Um, but it's a close fight. I ended up going with Botella, but I'll tell you I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Bobby. I'll put that Shira Kondo on the DraftKings fat team. Uh, Shira Kondo is, is the easy low-sitting dog uh, at 7,500 there. Um, ended, up, ended up taking her because... Uh, it's probably going to cl- be close, and she's going to put up volume either way, um, which you don't want to think or pick in terms of losers. In an ideal world, you, t- you want everybody to win, right? But whether it's a winner, if, if it is a loser, you you at least want volume. And whether it's a winner or a loser, you, 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 if you're just picking someone to win, um, you, their best chance is going to be a volume fighter. And uh, hey, if she wins, then you, you'll get that too, because I think it's going to be closer than... Uh, well, the odds are pretty close, but I think it's going to be a close fight. We'll just say that. So Siri Kondo is not the pick, but she she makes the DraftKings team. Alejandro Pantoja, minus 125. Brandon Moreno, plus 105. This one's on the avoidance because it's just goddamn close. You know, I don't know if it was my extreme couture bias wanting to lead me in to pick Moreno. And then the classic Dan Tom's going to overcrack the steering wheel and steer the fuck away from who he was initially leaning to in Brandon Moreno. But Brandon Moreno is just a hard guy to, to, to forecast anyways. He's just such a wild dude. Um, he is the more propensity to finish both on the feet and on the floor. Yes, Pantoja does have some some finishes, but they're they're against some real low level comp early in his career a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away. Um, I still have not watched Star Wars. All right, Dan, that has nothing to do with the breakdown. Stay on target with the second reference to New Hope. All right, uh, John Candy guy flying in before he crashes. Yes, Dan, they know you've referenced it before. Um, yeah, uh, but I'm a big fan of Pantoja, of course, too, for listeners of the podcast. Uh, big fan of his style. Um, he takes a lot more shots than a lot of people are comfortable with, including myself, and it doesn't help him on the judges' scorecards, but I like him, man. He's just that mean, dead-eyed, that shark-eye, you know, stalking, and stalks his guys down with that, that pressure hooks and might not be the prettiest, and, you know, his, his wrestling and dealing with wrestling and scrambling's gotten better, especially with the work with... Uh, Cross training with the old uh, Henry Cejudo, um, but uh, so yeah, I think he's even though Moreno's a crafty scrambler, I think he's going to be able to, to to still you know hold his own with the, being the scramble and back take guy. But the gas tank worries me. It's only a three round fight, but so was the fight with Dustin Ortiz, and we saw keep chapping, chap, chap, chap. The Dustin Ortiz, the same guy who uh, left Willow hanging at the uh, tracks with Mad Mardigan. Uh, on his voyage back in 1989. Yes, Dan, you're going to revisit that reference too. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Dustin Ortiz looks like he could have been in Willow. But he's a badass fighter. I'm not, not, not hating there. But, uh, you know, we saw what he did. No shame. He's a badass fighter. And uh, But that was a fight. That was a really winnable fight. It wasn't... 
not definitely not a robbery, but it wasn't even a no. It wasn't even an issue with the scorecard, I should say. But it was just one of those ones where it's like that. That, that was a winnable fight for Pantoja if he just you know won a couple key scrambles and just didn't gas. Um, so I mean that remains to be seen. So I guess I could I I I, I agree and can see the tentativeness in the line. But the pick is hand Pantoja at the end of the day. Um, I think his pressure and decision making and just. Ability to push the action and manage the beehive that he ends up pushing uh, is going to be able to uh, edge out this fight. We'll see, though. Not on the avoid list is Zach Cummings, minus 185 versus Michel Pizarro. This is the other other straight play. Uh, minus 185, going two units again. Uh, Michel Pizarro is plus 160 to come back. And Michel Pizarro is... Michel. Shrunken Fabricio Verdum should not be overlooked. Um, shrunken Fabricio... Michel Pizarro is... Knows how to win a fight. When knows how to win fights. You know he's only lost to Kevin Lee and a short notice uh, debut against Paulo Tiago, the guy who killed Scarface at the end. And Scarface, they don't even look anything alike. But I, I, I'm still gonna stick with that reference. God damn it. Um, Popa and uh, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna do well here. I've been been fading Pacheris, uh throughout his career and he's gotten lucky with uh either edges scorecards or weight misses or opponents pulling out and getting opponents that weren't ready for his level and then he just comes in and doesn't make weight anyways it just makes life extra fucking miserable for them um but uh but no Pacheres is a fucking is a bad dude man uh he's underrated right in hand he's not just a a, a wrestling top heavy jujitsu uh accoladed you know black belt but uh but he can counter and come forward. He knows how to. He knows how to. He knows how to bullshit quite well. Maybe not the judges. Well, yeah, the judges too, actually. But he knows how to bullshit his opponents. He doesn't have to throw much to get them scared and keep them busy or preoccupied. You know, he's got that sense about him. He's got a comfortability in the fight, which is why he can get by when he gets tired. But he does get tired. I don't think that gets better when you get older. I don't think his discipline's gotten any better. Um, and even though he's not having to cut as much weight, he still has a fucking tank that comes from like 200 pounds. So he's still cutting weight to get to 170. Um, again, discipline issue. I don't know about, uh, I don't think it's going to get any better. And he's going against a guy who was like a decent sized light heavyweight. If you saw him fighting back in the day on the regional scenes, uh, Oh, I miss that. I miss having access fighting uh, back in the day. Um, but yeah, uh, but Zach Cummings now fighting at welterweight, of course, who I'm talking about. And he's a big welterweight. A southpaw, a durable southpaw who can counter, but he doesn't just counter, which his counters are going to be live against Pacheres. He is one of my more favorite type of counters. He pressures and counters, so he can come forward and be serviceable there, but uses that pressure, uses that stymie, that, 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 that touching of the beehive, whatever comes back at him, and starts swatting whatever comes back at him. And uh, it's gotten much better. I mean, yeah, he lost to Santiago Ponzanibio, but look at Santiago Ponzanibio and the run he's been on, who should have been on this card. And even then, he was able to hold up to those shots and still kept coming forward. Um, and and uh, I don't even think that was his best showing, uh, that aside. So, yeah, I, I think Zach Cummings is going to win this. I'm not sure how. I, I actually think it's going to be by stoppage. I wouldn't be by surprise. Uh, Third-round stoppage. A third-round flyer at Derek Love. Third-round flyer. I haven't done one of those in a while. But Zach Cummings, I'm actually going to probably sprinkle on this. Um, what's it at right now? But I'm playing him straight up, because, and I wouldn't be surprised even if he would get a submission. I know him submit, but sure, listen, Cummings is a legit submission artist, man. He's submitted some legit dudes. Just go look at his record. Legit black belts, okay? Who might not have fruitioned as much in MMA. But, uh, but yeah, or if he did get submitted, it was by a legit black belt. You know, uh, so either way, uh, or the dude's got, the dude is underrated in that department. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find that, uh. Cummings round tree, brah. Plus 1250. Oh, that's playable. I try for for that right now. Sorry, Tim. The Hawaiian accent comes out. All right. But yeah, uh, so I'm going to play Cummings there. I think, I think, I think, I think he's going to tire. Uh, I don't think he's good. I think if he even was able to get, Pacheres is going to tire. I think if Pacheres is even get, able to get Cummings down, he's not going to be able to hold him down or do too much with it. Um, and yeah, I think something coming is going to put it on him. Uh, I'm doing the straight up play, just straight up, just to cover the bets. And the only prop I'm going to do for fun, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on third round there for fun there. Just did now. There we go. 
Uh, all right, next up. Da, 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 da. Oh, we're on the main car. Look at us. Looks like we made it. Uh, I'm going to take a swig of water instead of going to break. Is that all right with you guys? No, Dan, that's not all right. Vicente Luque, who I've been fucking doing with an N like this whole time, by the way, um, versus uh, Chad LaPierce because he looks like uh, me and Brian's buddy Pierce. Chad LaPierce, um, the disciple on a three-round TKO run. But Vicente Luque, even though he's only on a one-fight win streak, he's won was it, five of his last six all by stoppage or some shit. Six of his last seven, something like that. Don't have it in front of me because I'm good with that. I take these notes to not have them in front of me. You know how I do it. But uh, yeah, uh, if I blow by these as per usual, that's because I do in-depth uh, in depth all whammy. You know how much I love these fucking six fighters uh, main cards. But um, but yeah, up on MMAJunkie.com. Post it now. Meow. Right, meow. Uh, but uh, I ended up taking Luke. I was a little surprised. I, I thought the line was a little wide, but looking more at it, I'm like, no, no, I, I, I think I get it here. You know, lapriest has been hit by some left hands in his time. That's what's kind of hurt him the most, and that's Luque's best shot. He can sit on his counter-left hooks. That's one thing he's gotten better at. Just sitting down, ch checking. Not just the in-and-out style, which is good and just fine. Not just the in-and-out style, though, that he came from. You know, he was indoctrinated in martial arts. His mother was a really good karate practitioner. Giggle as that as you may, but 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 it shows in his distance management, pedonatural, just really good sense of it, and that's why he's able to build on his striking game so well, taking from Muay Thai to even uh, different types of. Uh, sorry, I thought I heard something. Uh, variating his Muay Thai, and, you know, doing those low leg kicks like he did to Nico. Was uh, Misoke? Nico Price in his last fight. Um, so the silent assassin, uh, you know. Um, I could see him trying to do that to try to take away Pierce's, uh, Pierce's, <laughs> Pierce's mobility. God damn. And I see those left counters being there for him. I think he's going to stun him and then possibly finish it on the ground. I think Laprice is going to be too smart to do his usual Mexican takedowns, but I believe those Mexican takedowns help open up his strikes. They really help his game. So if he's not able to mix in his takedowns, which he almost uses his point-scoring feints, Laprice does, I think that's going to affect his striking a bit. It's going to let him put less offense on the board. And if he does, again, you, you're diving right into the front headlock. And Laprice is a smart guy. He knows this. He might not have the grappling accolades, but Laprice shows good fundamentals. And you listen to him talk um, as a man who's, who, who can be in stutter at times. Uh, I'm not going to hate on that. But uh, you listen to the man, uh, man talk. That's not what I mean. I mean, that's what I meant. But, um, yeah, he's a smart dude. Uh, so I don't think he's going to do that. But if he gets tagged by a check left hook, it might turn him into a wrestler. And Lafayette may shoot Zen. Yeah. Shoot Zen. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's my pick is Luke. All right, next, Andrea KGB Lee, whose husband, like, that does not look like that would be her husband, right? Like, her husband looks like the dude. I was talking to Danny Oakers, a producer, about this in New York. He's like, Andrea KGB's husband looks like the dude at Guitar Center, you know? Uh, you know, he's wearing the lanyard and he's, he's middle of tuning guitar. You're trying to ask something. He's like, Oh, what's going on, man? Oh yeah. I used to, I used to rock on, on a fender like this, uh, back in my band when I was in Austin. Like, <laughs> it looks like that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why. Sorry. But, uh, kind of looks like the guy that, uh, Kill Bill, the, the bride tries to remarry before fucking Bill goes and shoots up the place too. Yeah, there we go. I think that guy worked for a record store too, didn't he? Dan, you're getting off subject. Uh, these are the more fun times, though, aren't they? Minus 310. Wow, I don't know about being that high against Veronica Macedo, who's got a fucking mean streak. She's used to applying her trade at 135. They're both very big and strong for the weight class. Um, this should be a scrap. I am siding with Lee. She is the more well-rounded fighter uh, on the feet. I love how Andrea KGB Lee will dig to the body. I mean, you know, she's a workaholic, man. Maybe she will... You know, maybe she, I don't know about the steroids or USADA thing, but maybe she's on some type of pro vigil, like some kind of like, you know, like kind of like speed or something. Like, how do you, joking obviously, how do you get all these accolades from, I was like running out of page, pages to write these accolades, my like golden gloves, fucking Muay Thai, Kyushkin Karate, uh, Judo, like Legacy, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, 
But she she puts it together. It really does. Oh, stomach. Hold on. Getting these acid indigestion attacks still. Um, less ironically, since I stopped taking this fucked up medicine, that was really fucking with me. It's really giving me bad cramps. All right. Um, but yeah, she puts it together really well. Loves how she goes to the body. Leg spins. But Macedo, man, she can counter, come forward. Uh, she can spin with conviction. She can spin as a feint. And uh, she's always punching in the in-between spaces, which, like, off, uh, right off scrambles, right off clinch breaks. And that's where I see Macedo potentially, like, tagging and hurting Lee. I'm not going to say Lee's, like, a quitter or anything like that or whatever, this or that. But when we've seen Lee, she can be hurt, she can be hit, she can be muscled and put in bad positions. Um, sorry. Mm. Uh, it's like you feel like this like foaming, bubbling, rising of acidity like toward the top of your stomach and to your chest and it just like freezes me up. Yeah, sucks. But it was the wrestling that... I'm sorry, I'm going to try to push through. Ugh. Alright, I'm going to pause. Alright, I'm going to I'm alive. Sorry. That's kind of stuff I'm dealing with. I these random attacks sometimes. But I'm alive. Alright, carrying on. <laughs> I think I was talking about Andrew Lee's wrestling. And it's actually uh, really impressive. Like, even just kind of her awareness of uh, of levels. And, uh, you know, understanding if, you know, what hoisting, you know, a leg one way. What that's going to do to their leverage and where that's going to send their opponent mid-scramble. Like, just little things like that. It's actually really good. Um... Her sense of when to take the back and her athleticism is really good. The problem is, like, a lot of these fighters is the theme. Um, when you get to the certain levels is... Um, sorry, I'm going to check something real quick on sound. All right, we're good. That's the last time, I promise. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's just the theme with a lot of these fighters. Um, you know, to put it in a nice way, usually, we're let's say we're used to seeing brown belt level or black belt level mistakes at the UFC... Uh, these are the fighters that are kind of making blue belt level mistakes. You get getting greedy, getting greedy, um, getting greedy in transition, getting greedy going for submissions, and ultimately losing position for it. Uh, and we all, we all do it, believe me. Uh, but uh, it's just one of those things you, you you see more, you see a lot in her game, and it costs her a lot. Um, so for as much as she should have a ground advantage, she can give it away just that fast. This town, your luck can change just that fast. But, uh, you know, uh, Macedo, she'll go for leg locks and, and stuff like that. She's aggressive with her submissions, but she didn't even know, didn't seem to know what an underhook was. Um, granted, we haven't seen her in two years, so I gotta imagine she's learned what that an underhook is, but man, it's, um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how high I'm going to set my expectations. She's got a weird sample size, too. I mean, all her fights are in 2016, and we haven't seen her since. It's, it's freaking weird, but... All right. It, that, that's the main card. Main card fight. All right. Um, Guido Canetti, plus 145. Diego Rivas, minus 165. Um, man, I initially was leaning toward Rivas, and um, it's going to be super unpopular. Like, this is the status of this card. Like, I'm, I'm picking Guido Canetti is what I'm trying to say here. Just take a second for that to sink in. I'm picking Guido Canetti. All right, now that that sink sunk in, uh, picking a thirty. We had a battle of two thirty-seven-year-old battle. I believe Guido's like thirty fucking eight now. I think like uh, the dude's been knocked out in like two of his last four appearances. Granted, those were very spread out, but uh, essentially the knock on Canetti is he puts on a good pace, but just you know sloppy kind of in all areas, serviceable uh, deceptively in a lot of areas, but sloppy. And gets caught because of it. And you're getting caught at Bantamweight and getting stopped. It could be a problem. But at the same time, you know, you just caught way back on the the ultimate, the, the tough Latin America from like fucking four, five years ago, whenever the hell that was, right? It feels like that long ago. But, uh, and it was to Alejandro Perez, who look at Alejandro Perez now, is stopping guys and fucking guys up. And, you know, he's on this big run, like, you know, with, and you look at the shot that he caught him with, like it was actually picturesque uh, uh, check hook. Um, maybe not picturesque, definitely not picturesque. But I mean, it was it was a legitimate shot. And 
Although it was a submission loss to Henry Briones, who that you know has only Henry Briones' only win. Uh, as we were talking about Henry Briones being on that three fight losing streak, his only win comes over the guy that I'm picking. Uh, he gets dropped and almost like knocked out because of that. Like the submission really wasn't a submission, by the way. That was holy shit. I hate the term quick tap. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I just, uh, I, I, I get it. I, I, I should say, I try not to use it, at least especially on this podcast or talking about again trying to remember to that we at the end of the day you know being critical or we joke or we're betting or whatever your prerogative is it's cool i get it i respect it and that's all good but at the end of the day you got respect I respect these guys but holy shit man that was a quick fucking tap is what i'm trying to say holy shit that was a quick tap that was a fucking like dude, 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 dude i don't even think he finished his grip and he was already just just Tapping and then looking around, like. But then again, the shot that he hit him with was pretty was pretty hard, which I was, I was trying to get to as far as um, not defending the chin of a 38 year old bantamweight. It was a low level 38 year old bantamweight. Believe me, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to die for that cause. But uh, but it was one of those things again where some of the most devastating knockouts, like uh, or when guys go for an uppercut and get caught mid uppercut, right? Chuck Liddell Rashad Evans kind of a classic one. Like, yeah, that was Chuck on his, like, knockout lost run. But let's be honest, like, that shot would have, yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't exactly that shot, obviously, but it was it was, a, it was a similar clipping collision course that got Kennedy there. But otherwise, I mean, for a, a kickboxer guy, I'm actually kind of impressed with Kennedy's wrestling now. He uses it at the wrong time. And I've actually picked Kennedy's fights right because I've picked against him pretty much every time except for his Hugo Viana fight. I, I didn't think he should have been that big of an underdog. And that's not why I picked him. It's because of these reasons. You know, it was underrated wrestling and Kennedy made a recent camp change then. And even though he had the USADA thing, he's been training this whole time and, and spending quality time with over at Team Alpha Male. Uh, quality stints at least. for uh, uh, not, not just training in Argentina. Obviously, have uh, really been embracing the stateside training since that UFC 190 appearance where was his last victory. But in that fight, though, even though he did win, he was rocking Viana and, like, closing distance when he shouldn't have been. Dumb, right? But not defending that. But when you do look at his wrestling, it was actually surprisingly good before he started training stateside with American Top Team. Or American Top Team. Uh, team Alpha Male, sorry. Uh, but it's gotten even uh, better since then. And uh, with Diego Rivas, I, I, I love Diego Rivas. I was initially picking him. And Diego Rivas, by the way, like, don't let his, uh, and I'll get to the, the, the low volumes, that's part of, part of the reason why I'm picking against him, but don't let it fool you, uh, the inexperience, or, or the, the dude, not just heart, but he's got deceptive power, and granted, that was kind of a perfect shot, and against a guy who maybe, you know, have your own questions about his chin or whatever, Noad Lahat, but... You want to talk about like most vicious knockouts you, you you were in person for? That was mine. Uh, Wonderboy Thompson versus uh, Hendricks fight night. Me, Brian, my buddy Kevin, uh, a couple of us were there, and uh, I remember my buddy Kevin had Noah Lahad on the parlay. He's had me put it together a parlay for him, and I might have had Noah Lahad on one of mine. I did really good that night because my, my main card I hit all three, all all three, which is including like a Mike Pyle underdog. Like it was, in hindsight, Pyle should have retired in that Sean Spencer fight when he. That was a great fight. We were all going crazy, but uh, Kevin had a. Uh, I was like, ah, no, no, Lahad looks like a pretty safe play. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Rivas cat's been out for a minute, and like wasn't like super impressive. Not the greatest sample size, right? Go, go ahead. I think No Lahad's gonna take him down and just beat him there, right? And you saw No Lahad takes him down, dominates him, and Rivas just faints and ba- goads him in. Like it wasn't lucky. Like Rivas was fainting and goading him in for it, and Rivas hits him with his flying knee. And Noah Lahat goes out, and it's brutal. Like, he was out for, like, literally, like, nine or ten minutes. It was ridiculous. Like, they, they didn't even do a post-fight uh, speech. They had him uh, raise the hand right, like, right by the cage. Like, he was out, out. Like, uh, I remember, oh, man. Uh, I remember Kevin goes, when he first, like, it initially happened, Kevin went, oh, that guy was my parlay. Like, yeah, Kevin, sorry, man, it's, it's the game. It's the fight game, man, you know? These things happen in MMA. And I remember just Kevin just looking and, and Noah Lahat still out going, 
dude, is he dead? <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, and I was like, I, I thought Kevin's trying to be funny at first because it was his first fight that he was, he, I think he had ever been to. And I was like, I went to cons- like kind of calm him, like, no, this is the fight. And then I'm, I'm looking at him, like, and looking at my watch. I'm looking up at the He's still, still not moving. I'm like, I, I want to say no. I want to say no. Let's let's just let's just hang out for a second. It was fucking scary. I'm not trying to be mean or like, overly joke there, but it was fucking scary. Um, and Rios comes and then loses to Jose Quinones because of that volume, right? And and uh, Quinones was favored for a reason there. Um, and you know, no shame in that loss. Quinones isn't like a terrible fighter or anything. Like the dude, the dude's a gamer, man. If you watch that guy fight, like that guy, you know, as far as you know underrated guy for betting you know Dan Tomlick's uh durable guys who put on volume and Teco Quinones you know could fit that mark for sure um and that's what he did to Rivas and that's not necessarily what I'm seeing Kennedy do because Kennedy you can never gauge what he's going to do and again I actually think he's kind of overblown as a kickboxer to be honest Kennedy uh even though he does throw more at a pace so that 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 statement still holds true as far as him out voluming it being Rivas but I think he's going to outwork him in the sense he's going to wrestle and uh, go for go for takedowns. Um, and his takedowns are going to be there because Rivas' wrestling isn't that great. He's got some trips that he can do, but it's not that great. He's gotten a little better at stifling, and i got to imagine he's he spent time getting better, but his stints and sample sizes aren't the greatest, not the greatest, not, not against the greatest guys, uh, the, you know, the timing, the spacing between fights, and more importantly, the progress. It's not, I'm not seeing enough progress from Rivas. At the end of the day, that's why I really changed my pick on this one. I'm not seeing enough progress from Rivas. And even though he keeps a tight a tight guard and tight fundamentals and will feel off the jab, and his counter right hand is going to be super live this whole fight. Like That's going to be the shot to watch out for from Rivas. It's going to be his counter right hand, for sure. He could put him away, Kennedy away. Like I'm not confident. That's why Kennedy's not a play. Uh, Kennedy is an underdog because you gotta you gotta you gotta grab an underdog, right? I mean that's that's that is the format of DraftKings or your your fantasy style play. So for seventy six hundred, shit. Of course I picked uh, Kennedy. Uh, DraftKings likes takedowns. Kennedy's gonna get t- get takedowns um, in a win or a loss unless he just gets iced right away, which again is possible, sure. But man, I think he's gonna put up put up put up the put up some numbers and be a quiet. Uh, Kennedy's going to be a quiet DraftKings play. So even if you're not like confident enough to pick Kennedy, at least reconsider him for your DraftKings. I will, I will, I will defend Kennedy to that extent, um, and I'm standing by him there. But that is on the avoid list for a reason. And the and, and, but but the pick is Kennedy. I will stand by that uh, on the avoid list though. All right, uh, Dominic Reyes versus Jared Cannonier. Uh, minus two forty-five for Dominic Reyes uh, went up from minus one sixty. Surprised it opened low and the line did what I thought it would. And I think we can expect this going forward unless Reyes gets his prospect loss here and just gets completely iced, which is possible because Cannoneer does have a chin to his credit, although I'm not confident it's going to hold up uh, hold up in this fight. And uh, <clears throat> uh, and Cannoneer's got power and pop, and his striking is, is, you know, you criticize other parts of his game, which we'll get to for not improving, but his striking has improved, and... He is spending more and more time till now. He's he's down there full time. Moved at Arizona to where look like he's just sweating the weight off. And interviews with uh, James Lynch. Shout out to James Lynch again, always uh, putting great interviews to see where these fighters are at. That uh, I know me and many others use. So shout out to you, James Lynch, doing the Lord's work. Um, but and I, I loved MMA Lab and John Crouch. A lot of respect and 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 even Cannonier, man. Of course, uh, just his style, but. I think this is a bad fight. You guys know I'm super high on Dominic Reyes. He is the, 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 the dark horse who's not so dark anymore. I think he's. Uh, I think I think people are starting to recognize. Um, and yeah, just from his first fight, I've been saying it, and uh, the, well, just I was like, okay, this you know, just watch. Not 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 even that highlight viral, by the way, uh, or the head kick knockout. I was watching those fights before it. It's like okay, and again, it doesn't take much to, to to impress me or anybody at this weight class. It's so freaking thin, but. Yeah, I like what I see. I mean, Reyes is a southpaw who can come forward and counter. The upright stature looks a little worrisome, but he's got a this really, really good sense of range, man. Um, almost like he's boxing in his background. Maybe he does, and I just have my notes in front of me, which I don't. But uh, 
can mix in kicks, but more importantly, it's the wrestling. You know, he does have a wrestling base. I mean, his collegiate career athletically is is is, is more marked. Oh, my nose is hurting. I haven't been punched in it in a while. Is more marked by his football, but he he's, he did wrestling before that, and it shows he can get takedowns against the cage. Uh, knows how to work angles. Uh, good leg dexterity and works the legs into his takedowns. Uh, can get him in the open. Good counter wrestling. Uh, can scramble. Um, and I like it because he'll take ride, he'll, he'll opt for ride positions and strikes and high percentage choices over selling out for the submission. I mean, he knows when to go for the submission. We saw it in his Jeremy Grizzly Kimball fight. I feel like Grizzly Kimball should be said in that voice. I don't know why. Oh, Grizzly Kimball has something to say about it. Oh, not Grizzly. Sorry. Old prospect. Dan, stop. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Dominic Reyes can, can go for the submissions, and I imagine that's only going to get better, especially, you know, cross-training more and more with, uh, old heavyweight Curtis Blades with the wrestling and grappling, and, and, uh, Curtis Blades working with Neil Melanson, so if he was able to work with, uh, Mike's coach Neil there, um, yeah, I imagine the kid's going to do well, plus still working with the team who got him to the dance, Cage Combat in California, um, Real Han Reyes, whereas Cannon here almost sounds not you know, self-defeating or whatever, you know, the spiritual dude who goes in there and fucking confident as all hell and, and goes to war. I'm not doubting that for a second, but when you hear guys talk about already receding and going away class, kind of not a good sign. Um, so, uh, it almost like resigned that this is his last fight at 205, you know, almost, again, like it's almost as their retirement fight. It's kind of that similar thing. Not quite obviously as dramatic, obviously, but Again, that's where I'm coming from as far as where a flag comes from. And Cannonier, like I was saying, areas in this game, he hasn't progressed in the ground game. See Reyes taking him down, again, scoring more points. Probably getting the finish on the ground with a submission. Although, let's be honest, if he does a laser focus um, left hand down the, down the pipe like he, did to, like he did in his UFC debut, would you be surprised if uh, Cannonier went to the canvas. I mean, Sean Jordan, the only other Southpaw he's faced on paper, at least in the UFC, put him out that way. Not that way, but, you know, put him out on the feet. So why can't Dominic Reyes? Dominic Reyes is the pick, and I'm playing Dominic Reyes inside the distance while it's still at plus money, plus 112. Put a unit on that. That will complete my official plays for the betting article. And tomorrow on my junkie, getting it a little early here, though, on the Patekin Neck Podcast. Thank you for listening in the short window. Apologies again for being late. Co-main event time, Alexa Grazzo, plus 550. Minus 800, Tatiana Suarez. This in the main event could have been on the avoid list by the definition of inflated lines, but I feel that these fights are just respectable fighters with clear and resumes. Um, yeah, you know what you're dealing with. Let me get some water here. Um, I know a lot of you guys like Grasso fans because she's got the cute little Latina thing going. I dig it. I dig it. I get. I get it. But uh, uh but uh, it's. This is the tough. This is the, probably the toughest matchup for her on paper, and toughest matchup for most girls on paper. We see what specialists and physical uh, outliers can do amongst their contemporaries. You can get them far, get them the championships. Uh, look at Ronda Rousey with the judo. Um, look at more recently in Mackenzie Dern. Fucking not even give a shit and barely trained to come in and just wipe house right with uh, jujitsu slash her physical uh, outlying attributes. So. It goes a lot of way, a long way in these female divisions. I'm not uh, being rude or stating anything crazy, right? It's just that's what it is. Um, and Tatiana Suarez has that. She's very strong, very physical, more physical than the, her measurements list. Uh, plus, also that resilient heart, cancer survivor. There's reason why, her, whether I pick against her, Diego Rivas, for those people, much love to them. But, uh, no, it's the USA wrestling is what it comes down to. She's a really good wrestler. Not only that, she's fallen in love with grappling and knows to be smart and, like, work from a, be good from a front headlock and and choose submissions and, like, not be a wrestler that's going to be good at a triangle choke. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to be good from front headlock stuff. I'm going to be good with head and arm shit. Like, that's what you need to be good at as, how, as a wrestler. Ah, Dan Tom's body's falling apart. Uh, ow. Sorry ear sinus stuff I'm guessing who knows vestibular stuff anyways uh, good at what she needs to be doing and guess what she uses cradles that's right not enough fucking wrestlers you uh, use cradles and not to uh, not to uh, 
Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, I don't. I'll, I'll skip the. I will not name drop. I won't even mention the conversation. But yes, I've had conversations with many high level wrestlers in MMA, and, and they have seconded. It's not, it's not used enough, and even good wrestlers that that uh, are successful in MMA I've talked to have admitted, like, yeah, why don't I or many use that? That's a good fucking point. Fucking use cradles. Oh my god, they just. They're so crucial. They kill scrambles. They allow you to get advantageous beats on your opponent. Um, not just killing scrambles, but go look at the Darren Elkins comeback on Mirsad Bekti. It's because of a cradle. Um, Darren Elkins re-wrestles, and when uh, Mirsad goes to Turtle to reset and get back to the feet, or, or reset to a clinch, Elkins grasps him mid-Turtle, mid-tripod, clasps him in a cradle, Taking that beat allows him, to, Darren Elkins, to get off at a right angle to then, then, when Beersai Bektik stands, he has that kind of, it's awkward and ugly because it's Elkins, but he's got that Holly Holm off the break kick angle established because he got a beat ahead. He was allowed to get a beat ahead because of the fucking cradle. Fucking cradles, people. Sorry. Tatiana Suarez uses them. Um, and Grasso's good, man. She's got the good step-by-step process. Her fundamental wrestling from getting underhooks, step-by-steps to get up, using the cage. Uh, except she checks off the boxes. It's not like I'm writing her off here. Like she, but but physicality. Even though she looked good at the weigh-ins today, um, this morning, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna be enough. The boxing I like, but if you go look at Grasso on the regional scene, where many of us, that's why many of us fall fell in love with her style. Uh, many of you who are giving me crap on Twitter for picking against her. I know that's why you fell in love with her. It was before, obviously, yes, I know it was before it was before the UFC. Um, but we haven't seen that. You know, we, We've seen her. Uh, be, maybe it's the, the stage. Maybe it's the grappling threats of Felice or Felice's underrated countering uh, in that fight. But even in other fights, uh, we've seen her just not kind of look the same where she was winning, right? So... I don't know. It worries me here. I don't think the line is just. I agree with you guys, but I'm not. I'm not going to play. I, I left this fight alone. Um, even when the line was lower and within range, I still left it alone. But the pick is Suarez. All right, Damian Maya plus five hundred. Kamara Usman minus seven hundred. Sorry, I'm wrapping this up. So I already ran over that time I wanted to. Uh, yeah, essentially, what do you want me to say that hasn't been said? You know, um, Damian Maya. Has struggled with this type of on paper was always gonna this was always gonna be the hardest match of the guy that could stifle the takedowns right, um, and in his older age it, it has been and this thing that sucks is not just three wrestlers in a row it's also three shitty camps in a row I mean he got kind of strong armed into a fast turnaround camp with Ty, the Tyron Woodley one and then he gets kind of not strong arm because he did it on his own accord because they're going to Sao Paulo because he got the he had the candy waved in front of him in a different way, uh, for the Colby Covington fight, which was probably the fight he thought he could win. And again, because people, you know, Colby's deceptively tough. I, I don't blame people for overlooking him. You know, uh, when you look at the guy or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, that was a bad fight for uh, him, even though he still did better than maybe some uh, thought. And now he's going into another short-notice fight against um, a guy who could probably beat both those guys. <laughs> you know, do you need me to really break this, break it down? But yeah, I, I got Usman here. Usman's been really improving his striking, his shift in ways. Since working with Andrew Uft, Andrew Uft, you have to keep the age silent. And you have to not quit. You have to not quit the rumble. Where's the rumble right now? But uh, yeah, he's been he's been doing much better. Don't quit. Uh, working with Henry Uft. And uh, Damien, Damien Maya, I love a man, but uh, he's going to struggle on this one. Um, he's going to struggle on this one. I don't think that, that as long as uh, his half guard pulls are going to be his best bet, but I got to imagine Kamaro did his homework on it and is going to escape those the same way Jorge and, uh, well, Jorge kind of fell subject to it at least one time. And uh, look at how Colby uh, avoided it. And he's gonna he's gonna wash, rinse, and repeat, and probably get a, a late round stoppage. I believe I said fourth in my breakdown that came out in the beginning of the week. Um, yeah, I stayed away from that. All right, uh, that is it. Uh, so recapping, I got uh, Dominic Reyes at the top. By the way, I avoided 
uh, Kamaru because the way it was structured, he's so high. He's 9,500 in DraftKings. And the card is kind of tough to be confident in your picks, to be honest. But especially dogs, it's kind of hard to get ones that at least I was confident. Maybe you're different. Uh, so I didn't want to be stuck with a bunch of dogs I wasn't confident in or didn't have a, much, a lot of upsides, whether it was point or just fucking winning percentage. So what I like to do, which I'm usually a, a sucker for always incorporating a main event side, right? Um, I actually opted to skip it and just go strong with point scorers slash potential winners. And I feel pretty decent uh, aside from maybe, you know, the female fight which and, and Kennedy. But, I mean, like I said, actually, they're, they're, to their credit, their volume. They're, they're, they're volume fighters. That's what you want for the lighter weight classes with because they're going to have lower percentage finishes. So the top, we got Dominic Reyes, uh, uh, 9,100, Vicente Luque, 8,800, Gabriel Benitez, 8,500, Zach Cummings, 8,400, Guido Canetti, 76, Siori Kondo, 75, for a total of 49,800. No parlay pieces, straight plays, Zach Cummings and Gabriel Benitez, both at minus 185, both for two units. And just the sole prop is uh, Reyes inside the distance, plus 112, of course, a little plus 1250 for a little Cummings round three sprinkle for, you know. Shout out at Derek Love, uh, round three, round three, uh, sprinkle. Botello Condo avoid Moreno Pantoja avoid Revis Kennedy avoid. Thank you guys again. I'm not even gonna ask for shit because I'm I'm late and uh, until I get a chance to revamp until I get my health in order. Obviously, I'm fighting stuff on multiple fronts still. Um, uh, my surgery is essentially not healing well and just chasing uh, what is going wrong with. Um, my insides and organs and other stuff. It's real fun. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, and I'm moving, which is, you know, stressful for enough normal people. So, yeah, that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. I'm trying not to abuse you with it, though. Hopefully you appreciated that. And, uh, and yeah, um, probably won't do a recap. I'm not going to lie. Probably won't have a top five anytime soon. Although, uh, kind of talks to some people. would like to reestablish that and get something going. But we got the fucking five cards. I got all the other shit going. Yeah, it's probably just going to be a breakdown podcast from here on out. In other words, I will try not to have him this late. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying yourself and not listening to this fucking thing. Maybe I'll save it until morning. Hopefully you get to it before the show. If not, I appreciate you, loyal listeners. I really do. Those who ask and tweet and this and that. I, I apologize for fucking letting you down with these late podcasts. Hopefully it helps, though, with your picks and plays. Good luck with those plays. And until next time, protect your necks.